Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. Want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And before we get started with talking about this here handful of chapters, we have some folks to thank. The following people have donated to our October donation drive and will be receiving spooky animal facts in the mail hand created and hand written by me <laughs> uh so thanks bristol and eileen for your um joint donation and to victoria thank you so much very excited about this y'all are the best i also briefly want to thank our newest reviewers so misj1 and hogwarts 730 thank you so much for your glowing reviews they made us very very happy mm-hmm. um yeah so what happens in in these chapters so in chapter 85 we are back in lucy's pov and she tells us about the end of her pregnancy which sounds an awful lot like the effects of being near the humdrum we also get a little bit of simon's birth And the whole reason that Lucy is on this mortal plane as part of her visitation, which is to tell Simon that she loves him and that she never meant to leave. And if that doesn't make you just cry endless tears of sadness, then I don't know what will. That's so sad. I know. Chapter 86, Penny. This is directly after the events of uh, chapter 34. And the three of them are fucking exhausted, but no one more than Simon, who is freaking out about, you know, killing the fucking mage. And Baz is comforting him by saying increasingly ridiculous things. And Penny finally gets what's going on with them, (laughs) which is gay enemies to lovers. (laughs) Yep. And then uh, we are breaking up the epilogue into a few, into two parts. But the first part of the epilogue is Penny where she sort of fills us in about what happens after chapter 86. Mitchley shows up to collect everyone. Baz stops all of the old families from going to war, which is cool. Mitchley, in a free and clear election, is now the new new headmaster of Watford. And Penny and Agatha are, like, not going to finish up the rest of their school year because, obviously... (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh now we're gonna get into easy come easy go easy come easy go where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else the joy the pure joy of witnessing penny figure out <laughs> Finally, that Simon and Baz are together. (laughs) 
Uh, it takes her to the end of this chapter and Baz is holding a sobbing Simon the whole time. And we get these, she's like, Baz pulls Simon into his arms and Simon lets him. And she's like, <laughs> on and on. She's like, oh, it's like literally Baz has to use the word love as a name for Simon. And Penny's like, oh, oh, I get it. Yeah, I love how, I love how just the line is literally just everything is starting to make sense. And it's like, Yep. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> it's so good. Um, I just enjoyed the sort of levity, maybe literally the only levity we've gotten in, the, in not quite this strain of chapters, but at least in Lucy's chapter, which is the whole conversation about Simon's name, mm-hmm. which is, it is very funny. Like, everyone should have a ridiculous middle name, and... It literally doesn't matter what you're going to name your child who you think is going to be the, like, the chosen one. Because then it's just like, that's going to be a chosen one's name. Um, what is your middle name? Uh, my little name is which makes my whole name just sound like I should be an old woman in a, like, manner of England tending to her rose bushes. Which, looking at my, is at my what I want my <laughs> life to be, is a vibe. It is, it's very, like, it's more formal cottage core than what I would want than like what I want my life to be but that's sort of the vibe that I've gotten (laughs) it could like I could be a character from Downton Abbey (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the only other thing that I have here is my deep love of Mitaly's response to the mage being dead like the amount of fucks that she does not give at all she just so for anyone who didn't reread it she takes one look at him casually casts a spell to preserve his body for the investigation later and then turns her back and does not look at him again she is done she's like whatever Mm, i don't care oh so good yeah i mean i mean totally the just i think justifiable (laughs) especially when her child is like weeping about the mage and it's like are you fucking kidding me right now so yeah yeah her child being primal everyone oh right Uh, sorry not not penny Penny. yeah all right i have a couple things actually in this section but i just want to talk about one of the first things that Baz says to Simon when he's like sobbing about the mage is, you courageous fuck, you absolute nightmare. And I don't know what about that string of lines. It's just like, yes, exactly. It's so perfect. <laughs> I love it so much. Yes. <sighs> yeah, it's incredible. It's so, it's so perfect. Yeah, I just like it a whole lot. I just also want to point out how probably kind of gross and also just like not very satisfying is Baz just eating a bunch of random songbirds. <laughs> Wait, gross for for Baz? I think probably just gross for Penny, who was watching him presumably cut open a songbird and like drain it into his mouth, which just seems just like. I don't know. Songbirds are tiny. I don't. I feel like there's not a lot of blood in a songbird unless they're like. I don't even. I can't think of any large songbirds right now. So I just feel like it's. Feel like he's just like yeah, it's squeezing. Like trying to, yeah, quench your thirst using a teaspoon or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
gross. <laughs> I when I read that today, I was kind of like, the floor is covered in blood. Like, can he really not just sort of like covertly just? Yeah, but I think he's afraid to taste human blood, right? Yeah, which kind of understandable. Like, yeah. what if it's really good and you're like, damn, I can't go back to eating. I mean, eating like rats in the catacombs and deer and shit. Yeah. So, uh, I also want to say that Penny is like, oh, it's like my mom's worst nightmare is finding me covered in blood, dead on the floor. And I'm like, you're best friends with Simon Snow. This has been her fear for the past seven years is go- showing up somewhere and finding you in a pool of your own blood with fucking Simon Snow. Like, Mm -hmm. this is, in fact, your mom's worst nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yes. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being Penny's mom in that moment? Like, heart attack. Like, having a heart attack. Like, feeling like the floor has just dropped out from under you because I'm sure she spent many a night worried about about Penny being like, it's fucking Simon Snow Kid. Fucking doing this shit, and my daughter's just right there with him, and it's like she's not the fucking if he's quote unquote chosen one. If that is even real, she's right. Like, she's yeah. just the dread companion. Leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouetto of a Man, where we talk about character development. So Lucy. So Lucy. So Lucy. I guess before we, before we obviously talk about how like tragic she is, did you get the sense from the end where she's like talking about right before Simon is born, she says, in the end, I just wanted to see you that on some level, she knew that she wasn't going to live through his birth. I mean, I think so. I think so, yes, just because of just, like, all of the physical, like, it's just, like, the physical and sort of metaphysical, however you want to describe how magic feels, kind of, like, changes that she's, like, okay, this isn't just, like, regular pregnancy shit. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, I mean, I feel like she definitely has an inkling that's just, like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. And, like, maybe, like, even, like, towards, like, the end of her pregnancy, just, like, a part of her being, like, no. Yeah. You know? Which I feel like makes her, like, this chapter feel very, like, gothic horror-esque. You know? Because, like, she's going through all these, like, physical changes that she's not quite sure is, like, normal. And she just feels, like, worse and worse. And, like, the fucking mage is, like, she doesn't tell him, which I think was a good choice to make, honestly. And he's just acting like this is so great. Like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have this the greatest mage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do you have about her? That she is essentially the first victim of the humdrum or the phenomenon that is named the humdrum, where it's like the sort of like magical sucking feeling that she's going through. Like we've heard described about being near sort of the like dead spots or being near the humdrum. Mm-hmm. And just sort of like, even when the humdrum wasn't physically maybe separated from Simon, like they have always been. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, can we talk about the just like heartbreak that is? So 
when the veil first opens, uh, Penny says that ghosts, shades or whatever can only come through if they have something like really important that they need to pass on. Mm-hmm. And the the thing, the thing that was powerful enough to pull her through the veil was that she needed to tell Simon that she loved him. Just rip my heart out of my chest. Just, oh my God. I know he doesn't know. No. And even if the mage hadn't died in this exact time frame, I don't think he ever would have fucking told him anyway. No, definitely not. Do you have anything else about her? There's a bit where... Lucy's like, I don't want you to think that this is your fault, that you're the child we would have had anyway, Simon. And I just, I guess it's kind of like, it kind of gives me the sense that Lucy thinks that Simon would have had a kind of unusual life regardless, even if maybe all of this shit didn't happen the way it did. And, you know, he was born and wasn't, didn't contain within him some kind of magic sucking void of Mm -hmm. fucked up magic. I thought that was interesting too, because it's sort of like, is she saying that to be like all of the mages, like ritual and stuff didn't even like have an impact on this. This is just like the baby that we were always going to have. Or is she like just trying to be comforting to Simon or does she mean something? I don't know, maybe like deeper or something. I don't know. Maybe she just knows that no child between her and the fucking mage was just going to be like, you're just going to live an average, normal kind of life. You know, even if there wasn't a bunch of dubious blood magic, evil blood magic at work. And I think maybe part of it is like her trying to be like, I'm not totally the victim. I like brought into this stuff too. Mm hmm. Yeah. So. You're the child we would have had anyway, Simon. You were ours in every way, and none of it is your fault. We made you this powerful, like starting a fire in the middle of a forest. We made you this hungry. So maybe what she means is, like, the part of him that was, you know, consuming, sucking, devouring, making her feel like she had a collapsing star inside of her, that was something that the she and the mage, via the ritual, imbued into Simon probably by making him part dragon yeah but like the core essence of who simon is like he is it doesn't make him less her child is that what she means i think so that makes sense yeah um once again lucy is points out that she thinks that the sort of care and attention that uh the mage was giving her you know as her pregnancy progressed was it just for like the sake of the ritual or to like create this like greatest mage? Um, because, and she thinks it's because he actually cared about her and Simon, mm-hmm. which I don't totally believe. I do think that she's right about him wanting uh, Lucy and Simon to like be by his side for like this new world that he's gonna like usher. He thinks that he is personally going to usher in because of like his ego. I I also think that it's just for the ritual's sake, and I actually disagree with you that the mage wanted them standing with him in his brave new world because, A, I think he knew Lucy was going to die, and B, 
I think he always was planning on on giving Simon up because it's not like he could like waltz in and be like, look, I gave birth to the greatest mage, you know, like no one would no one would believe it. Interesting. Which actually does answer a question that I didn't write down, but I definitely had in this chapter, which is okay, but did Lucy actually have to die? Which maybe we talk about an editor in uh, landslide because I'm just like, I think she did. I think making Simon used her life force. Like I don't think there was anything left of her once he was, you know, out as as his own being. There was nothing left to sustain her. But magic. <laughs> exactly. I mean, magic is the reason that that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. It's bad, bad magic. Yeah. I'm just like, you could try a little hard, harder there, Davy. But of course, he didn't actually want to try a little harder. No. All right. Um, so I wanted to talk about how great Baz is in a crisis, in an emotional crisis. Just the way that he talks to Simon while Simon is having this like grief, panic breakdown. He's like totally lighthearted in a way that doesn't feel dismissive you know simon's like i gave him all my magic or or i gave up all my magic or whatever and bass is like who needs magic i'm gonna turn you into a vampire and make you live with me forever and like makes a joke about having x-ray vision that totally pulls simon out of his head for a while but then the minute that simon makes it clear that he actually needs to grieve for for a moment and is like he's dead baz like turns on a dime and is like i know it's gonna be okay like i'm here for you it's it is a plus comforting i have to say yeah which since we get a lot of baz's pov and of course the simon and baz uh, when no one is around I also just realized that Penny is literally, I mean, obviously she hasn't spent much time with Baz up until, what, the, like, month that this book takes place or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she's definitely never seen the, like, soft, tender side of Baz, which I'm also, I'm sure, is just, like, part of the, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I see what's going on with y'all. Okay. Yeah. I understand now. <laughs> yeah. My last thing is just this brief moment that we get with Agatha at the very end where she says, where Penny's like, Agatha didn't go back to school either. She said, over my dead body, which is how I would have ended up if I'd stayed there. I'm like, Which is true. It's 100% true. It is true. <laughs> just Agatha has been such a reprieve from the heaviness <laughs> of the chapters, the last six chapters and i'm just really glad to have her here giving Mm -hmm. us these moments yeah welcome to face the truth where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up okay so I wasn't sure whether to put this into landslide or face the truth, but how much of a sense do you think that the mage knew what was going to happen to Lucy while she was pregnant with Simon after this weird fucked up ritual? The options are either he knew that she would die or he thought that there was like a 
chance that she would die or a chance that she would just lose all of her magic. Mm-hmm. I personally think that he knew that she was going to die. I think that a lot of why he was so sweet to her while she was pregnant was not just like, I'm excited that you're making the greatest mage with me, but also was like, ooh, you're, I'm like slow motion murdering you. So should probably try to at least make it a kind time for you. Okay. Cause I, cause I was, okay, so I was having this thought because she's like, I never, she never told him how she really felt. Which, I mean, what she described is like, I feel like an empty hallway, like there's something inside me and it isn't just eating me, it's like eating everything, but like consuming and sucking and devouring, which sounds like very similar things we hear about being near a dead spot or the humdrum or being Mm -hmm. near the humdrum itself. And so part of me is like, obviously the whole humdrum part of Simon, magical ability, wasn't what the fuck the mage was going for anyway. Mm-hmm. And so part of me is like, would he have known that they fucked that he fucked it up if Lucy had been honest with him about specifically how it progressed, like how her pregnancy was progressing and how it was feeling like kind of the more that Simon the fetus was growing? Hmm. I mean, considering that he like made this spell, my instinct is to say that even if she had told him that, he would have been like, well, I don't know how a spell to make a dragon child (laughs) that can hold all of the magic in the universe is gonna (laughs) affect you you know that's fair yeah i don't feel like he even knew that anything was necessarily quote-unquote wrong had gone wrong with the spell until simon was you know like fairly recently yeah that's true because i mean obviously he spends all this time being like the fucking humdrum the fuck's up with the humdrum Mm-hmm. you know i mean as everyone does essentially yeah um so i just wanted to talk about the experience that i had reading in a, a paper book and in my book next to each other on the pages on the left hand page are the words why is he dead maybe that was the only way he could stop hurting you and like basically directly across from it on the other page is I think he cared for me. I think he cared for you. And it just is like a lot. (laughs) You know, it's a lot. You just want to like, I don't know. It just, I understand why Lucy wants to tell herself and Simon this version of the story where she gives the mage some like leeway to potentially not have been as much of a monster mm-hmm. but having it just like sitting right there with the fact that like the mage literally could not stop hurting simon without being dead is just like oh no oh no yeah the mage is a complete monster mm-hmm. um so i just feel like we have to note the this line from penny just like the war just never happened Cool. Done. If only more wars were so easily resolved. I know. Also, it's like, good job, Bass. You did good. Yeah. And also, not every fantasy story do you need a war. You don't need to have a war to make mm-hmm. an interesting uh, fantasy story with a bunch of characters. I actually find it really boring. Wars? Wars in fantasy books, especially, because it's like, 
I don't know. I've like been kicking this idea around in my head that like I would love to write an after a war has happened fantasy series where it's like, oh, cool. The really boring, difficult part of rebuilding and doing all the like stuff that happens after a war. Mm-hmm. Less war is more quests. Yeah, more quests, more the tedious work of uh, community building and uh, infrastructure, city infrastructure. But make it sexy. <laughs> but make it sexy and magical. That's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like a book I would read. Hell yeah. Yeah, give me give me former enemies having to work together to figure out how to I don't know, get water to everyone in this valley. Read the hell out of that. They could become enemies to lovers. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. All right. You had mentioned in Easy Come, Easy Go that you really appreciate the scene where they're giving Simon his silly middle name. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would like to also emphasize the audacity of the mage not knowing the middle name of the woman that he has been dating for many years and has now made a child with. That is true. But, and this this isn't a but. This is, how do I say this? The maid seems like the kind of dude where, I don't think they went on like very many like formal dates because the mage is the worst. But if they were to do that, he would not ever ask her any questions about herself. It would just all be about him and his interests and his bullshit. And yeah, of course he doesn't know Lucy's middle name or like what her favorite color is or what color her eyes are right what color <laughs> her eyes are like what what she likes to eat for breakfast like all that kind of shit that like either you notice because you're like with someone or like like in a relationship or you ask them about because you're interested in knowing more about them right yeah it's it sucks it's very telling that he has to ask her her fucking middle name yeah okay look the part where all the mages little birds that always followed him around everywhere come into the white chapel and are like flying around his corpse presumably in distress fucks me up that's fair that's legit actually like, those were his pets, and apparently they liked him because they seemed to be unhappy about their person being dead. And I don't know, I just, like, really didn't invite having um sad feelings about the mage being dead into my life, and yet here they are. So, that sucks. <laughs> that bass ate most of Maybe the rest got the hint after that. I was like, you know what? Actually, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, hang out in a tree outside instead. Uh, peace out. Yeah, it did definitely also make it a little darker that Baz eats the birds, but Baz has eaten more upsetting things. So This is true. That's a spoiler. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay, and then here's my last thing here, is that I just feel like we have to, like, take a second to fully acknowledge the horror movie scene that Penny's mom walks in on. Oh, hell yeah! The floor has two dead humans, is littered presumably with dead birds now, probably with their heads twisted off, and then these, like, bleeding, cut-up children also apparently dead the floor has been ripped up all of the windows are broken oh my god there probably is blood literally everywhere yes it it's oh yeah it probably it probably like a bomb went off like right there's like debris from the floors and the walls and the glass and there's just blood and like yeah yeah it sounds horrifying like it does just a little crossover time. This is some serious hardcore like bog art material, like for mm-hmm. real. Yeah. Yep. I had that thought too when I was reading it when Penny said that it was like her mom's worst nightmare. I was like, oh, like Molly Weasley. Yeah. And again, a justifiable fear, <laughs> like not a oh, paranoid yes. fear, a hundred percent based in reality fear. Which is the worst kind of fear to have. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it is because then you're just like. It could just happen. And it's like, cool. Trying to talk your anxiety into being quiet. And it's like, on what basis? (laughs) But why would I be quiet? I know. This is why I can't get on planes. I mean, one of the reasons why I can't get on planes. Um, My brain is like, but it happens anyway. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It happens very rarely. But like, but it does. (laughs) I think that's not at all a comp thing because the likelihood that penny will die from hanging out with simon is like pretty high statistically much higher than the chances (laughs) that you will die in a plane crash which is like minuscule this is true this is true tell them anxiety (laughs) (laughs) i am that's who i'm talking to right now that's who i'm addressing Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. All right. Obviously, this is a chapter very thin on sexy stuff, but can we talk about how this entire book, Simon and Baz are like, how the fuck is Penny getting into this dorm room? And she's like, very like mysterious about it. No, it was just admittedly being thirsty as fuck is the reason she could get into this dorm room. Like, the th- like the thirst level was so high. She's like, I'm going to hack this motherfucking magical building so I can fuck my boyfriend. And I'm like, you know what? I respect that deeply. Yes. Yes. She is so powerful. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's hot. No yeah. wonder... No wonder he married her. Like, that's that's a winner for sure. Right? Is and like is it like in like eight dimensions or some or something like that too? Six? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, more dimensions than any of us are married. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> I'm unsure how many dimensions your average marriage takes place in. Three? Is that a, a three dimensional marriage? That is true. That is that's how many we exist inside of. Yes, that is true. Yeah, it's great. I love it. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm like, okay, I can, I can't, I can't at least let this just slide by. No, I my note said Miss Ellie broke the ward so she could fuck Martin. <laughs> 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 Do it. 
Yeah. Fuck them rules. <laughs> Fuck that magical building. <laughs> Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Um, yeah, so speaking of mentally breaking the ward, Penny says all the female bunces can enter Mummer's house now. But mentally was not a bunce when she did this. Well, so, I don't know, Penny says all the female bunces, which makes it sound like it's bigger than just, like, her mom's kids. But if that were true, it would be her mom's blood family, not Penny's dad's family. Unless they were married while they were in school. I don't think so. They got married right after. That's a good point. Do you think Penny's just, like, misspeaking and what she means is, like, my mom and me and my sister's? I guess I just assumed that she meant, like, her and her mom and her sisters. And, like, presumably if Penny and Priya have kids, daughters, they would also be able to enter, right? Or I guess if her brothers had daughters, too, probably. Oh, yeah, depending on how it gets passed down. Mm-hmm. So it was really just, like, a misspeaking on Penny's part, probably. Maybe. Okay. Um, that's actually it that I have for this section this week. Do you have anything? Yeah, I have one thing. So, um, fucking mage asks if, what kind of a, if uh, Simon is a good name for a savior. Uh, but I looked up the meaning and history of Simon because I had to know. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's a version that comes from the Bible. And then there's also, I think kind of unrelated, but the same, like, but like unrelated, there's a Simon also in like Greek mythology. Okay. But for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to focus on the one from the from the Bible. So Simon is uh, derived from a, a, a Hebrew name. And the meaning is he has heard. And also, there's also a apostle named Simon who later gets renamed as Peter by Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Simon called Peter. I, I'm glad you remembered that because... I like, I, yeah. And then I guess all oh, they're just random Simons in the New Testament, including one of the guys who carried the crucifix for Jesus. So, uh, and because of the apostle, this has been, uh, it was a popular Middle Ages name, but is a little bit more rare as a name, but perfectly acceptable <laughs> name to give a chosen one. <laughs> um, so once again, not as well read as you thought you were. Davy. <laughs> Sorry to any of our listeners who are named Davy. I just need to infuse as much disdain <laughs> as I can when I mention him. All right, we did it. We did. And then it isn't 20 minutes long, which is what I thought after looking at my notes. Like, yeah, me too. This is short for us, though, especially considering how much of it is us talking about your room full of kittens. So. <laughs> uh, Patrons, I hope you like this moderately long episode, <laughs> which is devoted to kittens. Uh, 
if the if the video comes out good maybe i'll just release it as a video episode on patreon so they can see all of it oh my god what you can't see is one of the kittens attempting to nurse while lucille is like drink standing up drinking water (laughs) and i'm like pretty impressed anyway (laughs) yes all right thank you for listening to this episode of escape from reality next time we will be finishing the fucking book we'll be finishing the book Holy shit. We're it only took the us book. however many episodes will that be? This is episode 35, so it'll be 36 total episodes. All right. It only took us 36 episodes and a little over a year. Yep. A lot over a year, like a year and a half. Okay. I don't know what time is. So we're very exciting. Uh, just as a reminder, after next episode, we're going to be spoiling for the rest the rest of the series so when we talk about wayward son we are also going to be talking about any way the wind blows um this podcast and our other podcast the gaily prophet which is about harry potter are both creations of hashtag ruthless productions and are produced mixed and edited by me you can find uh, uh back episodes in our cool simon snow merch at our website uh hashtag ruthless.com um, you can also check us out on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at the Gaily Prophet. We also have a Patreon where you get all of these episodes early and sometimes full of kitten content. Like <laughs> today, uh, our patrons got a deep cut full of conversations about the room full of kittens that Jesse is recording in. Truly living my best life. Just you are with my room full with my kitten room in my in my home. <laughs> It's really incredible. So yeah, we're at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit and there's lots of other cool perks that you get if you join us there. Uh, if you want to follow me on the internet and see more photos of, the, of photos and videos of the kittens that I'm fostering, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at live from Detroit. Uh, I can be found on Instagram at Lark Malachi or on my website, which is LarkMalachi.com, which is where you can get a tarot reading from me. Uh, the music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And until next time, Scottamoosh. It's like really not fair to fill a room with kittens and then try to make a podcast with someone with ADHD. <laughs> 